The Be the Difference podcast is presented by Back to Back Ministries, a Christian nonprofit organization providing holistic care for orphan and vulnerable children and families around the world. To find out more about Back to Back or to follow on social media, head to backtoback.org. Welcome to Be the Difference, stories of everyday people who are being the difference in the lives of others. I'm Sammy Matthews, and I'm here with my co-host, Chris Cox. Hey, Sammy, I am so glad that we are back together listening in on the story of not one but two guests this time. Tell us about who you had the opportunity to interview. So I got to talk to Ryan and April Berg. They are the co-founders of the Aruna Project, which is an athleisure lifestyle brand. So think like bags and headbands and other accessories that are all crafted by women who have been freed from human trafficking and sex slavery in India. The whole goal is to provide sustainable employment so that women can experience sustainable freedom. That's powerful. It is. And so before we get started, I just want to say that as a warning for your own heart and your own story, in this episode, we will talk very openly about the realities of human trafficking, sexual abuse, and slavery. And so if you normally listen with your kids, you may want to listen yourself before your kids join us in this episode. But I- And you may even want to invite a friend to listen for you as you process your own story. Yeah, it may be a good one to talk about together. Absolutely. Ryan and April, thank you so much for being here today. I am excited for you guys to get to share your story and to learn a little bit more about the journey that you guys are on. Were there some early experiences that really modeled for you or taught you about serving others or that you even had something to offer? I think uh, I think early on, so athletics was pretty significant for both of us, um, both in high school and then on into college. And I think the nature, at least for me, the nature of, of team and what team meant to try and accomplish a goal was pretty significant. Um, you know, knowing that the different sports that I played, that there would actually need to be different people that would fill different roles. Some of those roles were like very visible, highly celebrated. Other roles weren't as visible, weren't as celebrated, and yet they were just as as critical. And uh, and so I think one of the things that started to shape both within us was this sense of like, you know, really hard work, but also the need for for teams, teams to be able to work well together. Um, and so that I don't necessarily know that at the time I was thinking about serving other people. It was more just like, no, nah, I want to win this game. But and more so like everybody has a part to play. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that was deeply ingrained. So in getting involved in serving, and I know you had some experience with missions along the way, was there a time where you like stepped into something that you didn't really feel equipped for or like you had the experience for but said yes anyway? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like every every new venture <laughs> felt like that, never feeling equipped. But at the same time, that whole idea of um, adaptability. Yeah, she's, she is exceptionally adaptable. So there, mm-hmm. there have been so many times we've stepped into so many things where we didn't have the answers. We didn't know what we were doing. You know, there's times where we're in certain, certain particular countries overseas where we're the first team in to some of these areas. And so we're we're pioneering. We're trying to figure things out, and and she's just she's so adaptable. She can just kind of flow with it. It's pretty incredible. Where does that adaptability come from? I mean, I feel like it's one of those things where you know, um, 
just being grounded and knowing that, I mean, for me, it's God and knowing he, um, he's kind of the rock and the stability and he is faithful even when we have none. Yeah, I think like that steadiness of like God is your rock mm-hmm. is really what then allows you to take risk or try mm-hmm. something and not know how it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. In those experiences that you've had where you've had to adapt and go to different cultures and meet all kinds of people, is there a moment for either of you that felt like trajectory shifting? Like for me, the first time I ever went to an orphanage, that really, God used that experience to shift the trajectory of my life. Is there a moment that you can pinpoint like that for either of you? Yeah, certainly. I would say I would say the, the, the thing that launched us into Aruna was so pivotal for, for me and then ultimately for us. Um, I had, I had, so we were, we were asked to go to India to do some pioneering work there. And, um, about three weeks before going on that trip, I saw a little, little ticker line on CNN that made reference to 12 children being rescued from a brothel. And I, I had no idea that sex trafficking existed. And, you know, and this was a number of years ago before Liam Neeson and movies like Taken and, you know, so many people were talking about it. Um, and after seeing that on that ticker line, I went home and I started doing some research and realized the very place that I was going to was a significant destination location. And and so I told April, I said, well, you know, when I get on the ground there, I'm, I'm going to find this. If this is happening in the very place that we're going to pioneer, then then we at least need to know about it. And and that's just the minimum. We've got to we've we've got to do something about it. And oh my goodness, I, I was not ready at all. And we had served in some pretty challenging places, but I was not ready at all for what for what I saw when I basically we found this particular area, went into this uh, brothel, and I mean, as soon as I stepped in, the smell of stale urine was just pungent. It was a it almost kind of knocked me back a step. And uh, it was pitch black, and there's movement all around, huge rats everywhere. And as I, I moved up the steps, I could start to hear the sound of abuse. And and it got to the top top step, top part of those steps, and it opened up into a long corridor. And there was just literally woman after woman lined up with, with nothing more than just these little closet-sized rooms with mattresses and pull curtains. And I was so naive. I didn't I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. I, you know, I tried to talk about hope and a future, um, but but if I could be honest and just blunt, hope hope had been raped out of them years before. I mean, it didn't exist there. And and uh, and I stepped out onto the street and because I can, I'm not a slave, and I just wept. I I had never seen slavery face to face like that before. I'd never seen such hopelessness and despair, and and that was absolutely a turning point uh, to the trajectory of of our lives. Would you say, April, that was a trajectory shifting moment for you too? Yeah, I would say um, obviously when he came back and you know shared everything that he had experienced. Um, I saw the change um, and heard the change and all of that and just sitting there and and I was pregnant with our daughter as well. Mm -hmm. So that also, you know, the way we're both wired and the way all of that was kind of thinking these are all daughters and somebody needs to fight for them. Somebody needs to be a voice and make it heard and help and do something. We didn't know what help looked like Mm -hmm. yet. 
Um, but I was definitely all on board and said, we have to do something. And so not expecting somebody else to take that, but changing my heart too of we have to do something and we have to fight for them. Yeah, her, her, her mama bear roared up pretty quickly. It was pretty, it was, it was pretty neat. Yeah, it sounds like at that point there was no turning back. Like yeah. you had Absolutely. seen and you had to do something. And mm-hmm. is that where the dream for Aruna Project was born? Was it in, in those first days, months after that experience? I would say we knew something needed to happen. Obviously, something like that, I didn't know it was going to be us. Mm-hmm. But we were going to try to see what what we needed to do. And so instead of thinking we had all the answers, it was one of those things where we took the family back in, kind of embedded in the area, um, and asked a lot of people from the women themselves to organizations, mission, vision, values, who's doing what from when a girl is trafficked to rescued, rehabilitated, reintegrated, like we didn't. We didn't think that we had all the answers, so we had to figure out what help looked like. It sounds like step one was learning and investigation and figuring out how you could serve and help in a way that was really going to be most beneficial, and that turned out to be employment. And so can you talk a little bit about who Aruna employs and how that brings freedom ultimately? Yeah, we— we basically employ women who have been freed from sex trafficking, and so a part of the way part of the way that we designed what we're doing is both to free them, but in the process of freeing, to make sure that there is trauma competent care, to make sure that there's also you know skill and trade development, and so you know once she's freed, she's actually stepping into a place where she's actually learning significant skills that are very marketable given some of the industries inside of India. And it's an odd thing. It's not, it's not, you know, this sort of big dramatic sort of rescue thing. It's it's really anticlimactic. But what's happening in in many ways in the hearts of the women is it's almost like this little switch gets turned where they start to actually trust. And we can usually tell it's happening because we know them by their call names, but oftentimes they'll say, okay, don't call me by that name anymore, my real name. And sometimes they'll give us their real name and we know, okay, you know, trust has been developed here and then, and then they're ready to, to step into freedom with us. And that stepping into freedom, especially into the business, um, you know, there's safety, there's stability, there's a community – and it's in a place where they're they're earning, you know, well above a living wage and retirement savings and health care and ongoing trauma counseling. So we we try to make sure that they see that that we're not just providing a job, we're trying to help them actually build a career that's gonna help both the next generation as well as, you know, siblings around them. So um so I think once they see that, once they experience the teams, I think that's where they start to say, okay, there's something different here. There's a phrase that says that trauma that happens in relationship can only be healed through relationship. Mm. And that's what mm-hmm. I'm really hearing is mm-hmm. that it's about relationship. I think that idea that they share their real name is mm-hmm. so powerful, mm-hmm. especially because when you know someone's name, you, they're not just a number anymore. Right. Like it's not just statistics. Yeah. Um, I know that when you first designed the Aruna Runs – people ran with the names of women, mm-hmm. correct? Mm-hmm. And what was my thought behind that is, oh, that's incredible because they're not just statistics, they're people. Is that totally. Was that the heart behind that? 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and whenever you hear about human trafficking, sex trafficking, all those types of things, you hear just crazy numbers. And it seems so daunting and so distant and not very upfront and personal. And so the one thing that we always wanted to focus on was even for one. And they all have a name and they are created in the image of God. And so that was where that was kind of born from of, you know, we will always keep that up front and center. And so that is where it came from. And then even when you purchase a bag um, from the freedom business, all of the line, like inside the liner, it has all the girls' names of our, Mm -hmm. that are our artisans that are now Mm -hmm. freed and employed, um, even down to the little tags. It'll always have a woman's name on it. And what was so, what was so cool about that is when we had initially, so we've got a whole system kind of in place where they give us permission to do certain things. And what was so cool about that is we used to use pseudonyms uh, just, you know, for their protection. And some of the artisans came to us and said, you know what, we're, we're really proud of the stuff we're making. Mm. We, we don't want pseudonyms. We want our names on there because there was just a sense of, of pride in that. Okay. So at this point, if you can walk me through the process a little bit, how does a woman go from being in a brothel to being a woman who is part of creating these products and has her name inside the bag? Like, what are the how does she get from there to there? Sure, sure. So the model is kind of designed to connect both U.S. into South Asia and back to the U.S. And so um, so we've got the Aruna Runs all across the U.S. where people are running for a particular woman by name. And the funds raised through that will, in part, go into the training centers. So we have training centers situated in multiple red light areas. And it's through those training centers that our teams there, we've got all indigenous teams, are going into those to those brothels, developing out the relationships with the women, getting them into the training center for small periods of time between, you know, being forced to see customers, and then and then eventually we're we're able to you know empower her to the point where she's ready to fight again, and then we're able to get her out of that brothel, um, and then we have transitional housing that she steps into, and that transitional housing is meant to kind of be a, a move from brothel to then transition and then to independent living. And what's happening concurrently with that is she steps into the business where she's got living wage, retirement, health care, ongoing trauma counseling, uh, and producing all of those products in a, in a community of others who have overcome. And as those products then come back here to the U.S., it allows us to employ women who have been freed from sex trafficking here in the U.S. as well. And then all of those products are then sold and marketed online to previous Aruna runners as well as, you know, anyone at large. Has there been a moment when you wanted to give up? Oh, my goodness, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Countless times. <laughs> and why haven't you? Well, because we can't. Um, because it's about the women that we serve. And there's so much more work to be done. And so, um, yeah, that's one of those things that – We'll continue to fighting until um, until we see it end in our lifetime. Um, the issues at hand um, that everyone is free, and so so for me, it, it's just it's for the others. What's something that you've learned about God? I would say, without question, I have learned in in terms of His faithfulness. Uh, his He is faithful to His promises. And he is faithful to who He says He is. You know, the fact that he is he is all so, wise, he's all good, he's all powerful, 
you know, sometimes we'll, we'll kind of trip people up and saying, well, why would he allow something like this to exist? And, and I don't have all those answers. I'm not, I'm not him. Um, but I can say when you, when I take a step back and I look at all of what's transpired just for the sake of, of the women that we're serving, you can see the plan of redemption that he's woven into some of this. And there's been plenty of times where I've, I've fought to believe that because of some of the challenges. And then he'll, he'll surprise me by his grace. Yeah. And I would say, you know, for me, it's his steadfastness. And, um, you know, just like even when Joshua was taken over, you know, he had to lead. It was always, do not be afraid, for I am with you. Mm-hmm. And it's just his constant care and that he is always with us and in the hard places, as Ryan was saying, and just constantly in all of this because, you know, ultimately it is his design and in his care. And so for us, it's just Aruna, he keeps it afloat. What have you learned about yourselves along the way? Mm, I have learned I'm not as strong as I thought I was. Um, I have learned that I, I desperately need Jesus far more than I thought. And and so I think just kind of being in the in the position that we're in, we're forced. Some of those things are just forced to the surface, and so, if I, if I'm honest with myself, but I think honestly, it's it's forced me into just a, a a deeper dependency on on Him, and I think a deeper intimacy. For me, it's um, I'm actually stronger than I thought I was, and so for me, I'm kind of the person who behind the scenes, never up front and center, um, kind of serving. You know, just. I'm okay with not being seen in in any sort of way. And so, you know, some of the roles that we've had to take on and even going to India and jumping right in and, I mean, directing and leading and all of that is just not, you know, my type of – it's just not who I normally would think I could do. And so for me, it's just learning all of that um, and realizing, you know, and going back to when he says, do not be afraid for I'm with you and – and it's it's his strength and his guidance in it, um, and so that's taught me a lot about myself and what um, what I care about and who I fight for and um, just kind of who I am in that way. I think we've talked a lot about how even in hard there's these threads of hope, but that doesn't mean that you don't face the reality of things that are hard. So what's something that like burdens you and keeps you up at night? I uh, I early on. Uh, what would keep me up at night would be nightmares. Quite honestly, we had there was we had spent so much time inside the the brothels and knew so much of the violence and the particular things that were happening to some of the girls um, that you know in my head some of that would get visualized and then you know I'd find myself at nighttime I'd I'd wake up ready to fight like I'd just you know I'd and uh, and then you know it. It, for me, that became a really difficult situation. Like, okay, well, what do I do with this? How do I how do I handle this? And so that was before we had created anything where we were able to actually free the women and employ them and help them. So I think it was born out of a sense of almost just helplessness. Like, we've got to do something. We haven't created anything yet for them. And so it just felt powerless and helpless. Um, and so uh, I would say the things that keep me up at night now 
are just trying to think through how is it that we can actually try and scale things to have an impact for more because I know that there are so many more women that are still in that situation. And, and so we're, we're constantly trying to wrestle through how do we take those next steps? How do we grow it out? How do we um, get to the point of scaling so that we can have far greater impact? Yeah. And for me, I think, you know, going back to the whole mama bear thing, but it's just, it's just a natural thing in me that I'm, I'm thinking all these women who are still enslaved and then most of them have dependents. And so the children who are born in the brothels, they sleep under the beds that their moms are abused. And so just seeing it and knowing it and understanding that if we can help that woman, it then is going to help two, three more of their dependents that can be out of that situation that don't end up becoming what their mother had to endure. And so for me, I would say that's the greatest thing is, you know, what keeps me up is there's so much more work to do. I think it makes a lot of sense that that would result in in nightmares for you. How have you processed that? Has creating a a system to help been healing for you? Or how have you learned to live with that? Yeah, I would say a couple different things. Um, they haven't gone away by any means. It's still there. Um, but I would say the, the, the things that helped me kind of walk through that are there's a, one of the pastors from our church to sit down with and dug into the word and he helped to kind of create a structure around which I could, I could go, oh, okay, I, I get this. I understand this. And, and then that caused me to even double down even more just in my own, own time with Jesus in the word and just being, you know, fed through what he says is true. Um, and then I would say one of the things April, April loves in exceptional ways. She loves people for who they are, not for who she wants them to be, which I think is very unique. And so that's been, that's been very helpful for me. And then having other guys that I can talk to my, you know, my, best friend in the world. I'm, I'm constantly chirping on his ear like, hey, man, I'm, you know, I feel my heart drifting here. I feel some fears coming in. And, you know, so he's, he's constantly building in. And then being able to actually have the structures that we, that we created within Aruna to actually be able to do significant work on behalf of the girls. I think it's the combination of all of those things that have helped kind of move through um, from those initial stages. So... Yeah, and as his wife, you know, went through different stages as well because when that first is happening, you know, I'm like, okay, well, we don't have to do – like let's mm. let's fix this first. Um, but then realizing that, you know, we need to step in and being able to create something that is going to create change and help. Um, and so that was significant, but then also the, you know, putting things in place and understanding who needs to be surrounding him so that, you know, the fear doesn't come in of, you know, is he going to be okay? Mm -hmm. And, and what that darkness, you know, just the darkness can creep in and what that looks like. So thanks for sharing really vulnerably about that. Cause I think it's helpful to know and hear that you still feel burdened by this and that. I think that's probably part of what keeps you going. That's what you said. That's why you haven't given up. Mm -hmm. So if you were thinking about yourselves um, in the that trajectory-shifting moment when you first went to the brothel, and let's imagine that it's someone else and they just had that moment today, what would your first piece of advice be for that person? Um, I would say that in the moment – 
it seems so huge and daunting and scary and all of these things, but it's so worth it. So think about the person who you're wanting to serve, that one, even for one, and that even through the hard times, even through the the scary thoughts of what the future might hold or not hold or any of those types of things and not being able to do enough, it is it is worth a fight. And so it's taking that first step. It's trusting in that first step and um, just one step at a time. I would say to that person, the road you're about to walk on is full of suffering and it will require tremendous patience and you are walking in the way of Jesus because he he tells us to share in his sufferings and and this road ahead will it will it will require sacrifice it will require things that you didn't even think you had in you but God in his timing he'll he'll enable you to accomplish the things that that he wants done for his glory and for the good of the women you're serving so i would say that would be my little two cents all right well i just want to wrap up by saying thank you on behalf of every college student that has ever run in an Aruna race, on behalf of every woman who has experienced freedom, wholeness, healing, dignity, and relationship through the work of Aruna. Thank you for the road of suffering that you've chosen to walk, the way that you've sacrificed on behalf of others, even if it's just for one. Thank you for the way that you are bringing freedom and hope of the gospel into dark and hard places. And thank you for not giving up. Sammy, when I think about the journey that April and Ryan are on and how powerful it is to hear someone say that they weren't sure it was even going to be them. They just knew something needed to be done. That was throughout this episode. I just almost want to stand and just like clap and say thank you for just raising your hand in the middle of that. And in all of this, we heard some really hard story connected with hopeful story. And as a community, I just want to draw us back to what I believe was a moment that defined what our vision for freedom could look like Ryan said at one point that the hope had been raped out of them by that point. And I don't know about you, but my heart was just crushed when I heard that. Yeah, it was a little jarring to hear, honestly. I mean, a statement like that is not an easy one to take in. No, and it's not okay. And we just want to claim that in the moment. That's not okay. Yeah, the treatment of women. And it can be reality, though, that hope has been, and we could fill in the blank there, it uh, Ryan used a strong word. We could we can use stolen. We can use different things for different communities around us. But it was what he said next that actually illustrates my longing and hope for us just as a world. Because he said, then I walked outside of that brothel because I can. And my longing in that moment was... I can't wait until every woman who's been in one of those spaces can too. And that's why I'm encouraged by their story and the journey is I think that's what freedom looks like is that we can all walk out of the rooms that we've been in because we can. Yeah, I was really impacted in my conversation with them about their ability to not look away from hard. Right. 
and even at the beginning when he said that he first saw a like line on CNN about human trafficking in a city he was going to, it would have been really easy to just kind of forget about that and go visit the places he had planned on visiting and never walk into that brothel. Right. It's something that I'm kind of trying to figure out in my own life. Like, what is the balance of like looking at hard, but also not letting it consume and overwhelm me? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, there's there's no doubt that we are inundated with pieces of information that for those of us that long to be engaged in a story of hope, that we're not sure which one to choose and we're not sure which one is too much. What are you doing with it right now? Like, what's your pace look like? Yeah, I'm trying to figure out like healthy limits on the amount of news I consume when I'm looking at the news. Like, do I need to look at a list of headlines right before I go to bed and fill my mind with the hard and heavy of the world? Probably not. That's not a great choice for me personally. I'm just trying to figure out how to get the right amount of information that I'm aware and that I'm engaged, but not consumed. And I think that's the key that I'm reading and listening to see where I'm supposed to enter, not reading and listening to feel like I need to consume more to find that satisfaction. Or that I need to be the only one to fix it. Oh, that's really important. Um, What did you think when they said that um, they know they're getting somewhere and building relationship with women when they share their real name? It was everything for me because I have been dancing with this idea a lot recently that seen people see people Hmm. and that our names are tied to being seen. And when that came out in the story of saying, no, we want our names, not numbers, not even uh, pseudonyms put on these designs because we're really proud of what we've made and who we are. I found that freedom as this is seen people saying, see me. And I'm ready to see others. I loved everything about it. Yeah, there's just something so humanizing about knowing another person's name. It's not a people group anymore. It's not just a a problem or a cause. It's a a human and a person. And I I loved it. I'm I'm asking myself, which kind of bag do I want to buy on their website so that I can read all the names inside and think about those women who are real-life individuals. It could be as significant as going to a Runa project and purchasing uh, one of the items for yourself or a family member and being able to just turn that bag inside out and see the names and pray over those. It could be as simple as getting to know the name of someone that you connect with regularly and begin praying over that person. One of the things I loved about the end of our interview with Ryan and April is that Mikey, our producer, stepped in and thanked them personally because he had run in an Aruna race as a college student, carrying the name of one of the women as he ran and thinking about that. It's really powerful. Yeah, that could be another great takeaway and next step from this is to participate in an Aruna 5K. They're happening all over the country all the time. You can walk or run and do it all with a specific name in mind of a woman who is working toward freedom and sustainability for her family. I think that's super powerful. With that, we just want to say thank you for joining us. Thank you to Cohatch for being able to host this podcast and to our great producer, Mikey. All of the resources that you need access to are in the show notes, and we will see you on the next episode.